Welcome to Eternal the Jets Digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are on the eve of training camp. Training camp begins with check-ins, and we are going to have our daily updates with a combination of my next guest and also Chris Nimbley, who's going to be on a lot, giving us the daily updates at training camp as well. He is one half of the dynamic duo covering the Jets for NJ.com, and he is on to do our final training camp preview before everything gets kicked off at Florham Park, talking, of course, about Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Scott? Yep, football is back and uh, starting to get back in the swing of things. How you doing? I'm doing great, but you know who's doing even better than I am? Mark Sanchez, because he just got himself a nice, new, cushy job. Yeah, sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? No more, uh, you know... Sweating it in the film room and grinding on the field. Sanchez is working for uh, ABC and ESPN now, one of their uh, college football analysts, kind of one of their lead guys in the studio now with one of the the top crews over there. So uh, good for Sanchez. Obviously, kind of funny, 10 years ago, uh, he was gearing up for his rookie year and now another uh, USC quarterback gearing up for year two with uh, Sam Darnold. But uh, yeah, good for Sanchez moving into uh, the media circles. And uh, kind of funny, too, I mean, those 2010-ish era Jets really uh, have a big presence in the media now between Sanchez, you got Rex Ryan at ESPN, too, uh, Mike Tannenbaum's also at ESPN, uh, Bart Scott at WFAN, and, uh, you know, SNY as well. You got uh, a whole bunch of other guys, LaDainian Tomlinson on NFL Network, uh, Mark Brunel does media stuff down in Jacksonville. So uh, kind of interesting to see all those guys. Uh, you know, making waves in media and uh, shout out to Brian Costello from the post too. I know he uh, mentioned this earlier today as well, but, uh, and he made a joke. Uh, no wonder that hard knocks was so good. You had all those uh, forward facing guys, you know, hamming it up to the camera. So now they're all doing it and getting paid for it. Instead. They learned well from Rex, right? <laughs> yeah, I would have to imagine. I, uh, one of the, the big regrets, is, uh, you know, obviously being newer on the beat, never got to cover a Rex Ryan team, but boy, some of the stories that the other beat guys have are legendary. And, uh, yeah, I have to imagine that they learned how to do this from Rex. Sanchez is certainly telegenic and he's well-spoken. So I think he's going to do well on television. However, I'm wondering if perhaps he took one too many shots to the head, because as we know, Matt, Earlier in this offseason, he did predict that the Jets would go 13-3, and which is a little bit bonkers, even for the biggest optimist. Yeah, I would um, you know, charitably say that that might have been an insane prediction. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll be vindicated and the Jets will prove him right. But uh, I think that's you know, kind of a tall order at, at this point. And, uh, some might say that that one too many hits to the head might have been, you know, courtesy of the butt fumble. That might have been the one that put him over the edge. But, uh, you know me going for the low-hanging fruit, I suppose. I had people asking me earlier today if Mark Sanchez is the second-best quarterback in Jets history. No, no, he's not. Please stop with that. We were talking about this before we started recording, Matt, but I think it's pretty clear that however you want to rank it, you'd have to go with some combination of Chad Pennington, Ken O'Brien, and Vinny Testaverde after Joe Namath. And then from there, you could start arguing over who you would put in the slot beyond that. You've got Richard Todd as a candidate. Obviously, Brett Favre was here for a season. 
Boomer Esiason had a few productive years for the Jets, even though the team was really bad when he was here. And Sanchez is in the mix there, too. So you can argue over that, but there's no way that Mark Sanchez is the second best quarterback in Jets history. So for anybody who's asking, stop. It's ridiculous. It's something that would only be asked by somebody that either doesn't know anything about the Jets or started watching football about 10 years ago. And one of those people that could have started watching football about 10 years ago because he's only 21 years old, so the timeline matches up, is Quentin Williams. Mark Sanchez's career ends. Quentin Williams' career is about to start, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to start day one of training camp because he still doesn't have his contract signed. What's the latest with that, Matt? Yep. So, uh, the reports on that, uh, and you know, this came out on Monday, but, uh, the Jets and Quinn Williams still kind of haggling over his signing bonus. And it's not over how much the signing bonus will be. Obviously, all of that is kind of predetermined by the CBA and the slot value. So, uh, the dollars and cents are already determined on what Quinn Williams is going to be paid. The only sticking point really is over what term it's going to be paid. So, uh, last year, for example, the Jets, uh, kind of had the same debate back and forth with Sam Darnold and his agent. And ultimately they gave in, they gave Darnold all his money within 15 days of signing. Uh, apparently they don't want to do that this time around with Quentin Williams. They don't want to pay all of the money out in year one. They want to push some of it, up, some of it off to year two, defer some of that signing bonus. Quentin Williams and his camp don't want to do that. They want to get the money sooner. Um, I think, I think it was Ian Rappaport, said something about, or one of the NFL Network guys, excuse me if I got that wrong, but basically said that Quinny Williams' camp wants to get it all now while he's still a resident of Alabama for tax purposes. So it, kind of minutia and like, you know, they're haggling over the timeline of money, not the actual amount paid and, you know, a couple cents here or there due to tax purposes. But um, yeah, still no signing for Quinn Williams. So uh, to be determined whether or not he is there on Wednesday for report day. We're recording this Tuesday, um, so we don't know yet. Maybe things will change by the time the team is reporting or by the time Thursday rolls around when the first practice is held. Um, but as of right now, no contract for Quinn and Williams, so things are still up in the air as camp comes, to, uh, comes around here. And we saw this with Sam Darnold last year, so there's no reason to panic just yet. Sam Darnold turned out just fine. He got in pretty early in camp, even if he missed a little bit of practice. And if that's what happens with Quinn and Williams, the sky's not going to fall, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if, if a quarterback can miss a few days of practice and be just fine, uh, a defensive tackle who, you know, uh, nothing against Quinn and Williams or anything, but uh, he doesn't have to, you know, lead the entire offense like Sam Darnold did or the defense in his case, obviously, uh, you know, he just needs to learn his role and kind of his responsibilities within Greg Williams scheme. Uh, unlike Darnold, who obviously had to develop chemistry with a whole ton of guys and learn the playbook backwards and forwards and be able to do all sorts of different things on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the scope of learning is a little bit smaller for Quinn and Williams. So uh, a few days missed here, there would probably honestly have even less impact on him than it did on Darnold in the grand scheme of things. Uh, still, obviously you, You'd like to have him in practice from day one. That's the ideal scenario. But so long as he doesn't start missing, you know, a few preseason games here and these, this thing really drags into training camp, uh, don't panic. The sky is not falling. Quinton Williams will be just fine. So uh, as long as this doesn't turn into, you know, a long, bitter battle, which at this point we don't expect, no uh, reason to throw up the, uh, you know, red flags and start to get concerned here yet. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. 
Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. It's not like Quentin Williams has to worry about his position on the roster. He's not in a position battle. He's not a roster long shot. He's not on the roster bubble or anything like that. So he'll come in here and get every opportunity to start day one. I think they have him penciled in there right now. So unless he does something really bad or, as you said, this turns into a Joey Bosa-like holdout, I would imagine that he'll waltz right in and start right away. And knowing his football intelligence... I don't think that it's going to really have that much of an impact on him. But since we talked about position battles and roster long shots and the roster bubble, none of those things applying to Quinn and Williams, they do apply to several other players on the New York Jets. And it's part of your training camp preview that you released at NJ.com. So let's get into this. Matt, you had three for each of these things, except for roster long shots. You only had two of them because... I think the third one was Andy Vasquez. He was hoping to make it, but apparently he threw out his back playing golf with you the other day. By the way, for anybody curious, Matt won. So Matt is starting to separate himself a little bit from Andy Vasquez as the number one golfer on the Jets beat. But unfortunately, Andy goes from long shot to crossed off the list at this point as far as Jets hopeful. So Matt only did two because of that. So let's get into all of this, Matt, including the fact that you are on your way to golf supremacy on the Jets beat. Let's start with the position battles. Give me your three position battles that you previewed at NJ.com. Sure thing. Uh, before I dive in, though, for the record, me and Andy played twice in the last week, and I beat him both times. So <laughs> just want to get that out there. I didn't. I didn't just beat him the one time; it was twice. So not to pat myself on the back too hard or anything, but just want to make sure that Andy knows exactly where he stands here. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> for the position battles, uh, we've got three here listed. Uh, like you mentioned, kind of the three marquee ones, I guess, in my mind going into training camp. The first being backup quarterback. Uh, obviously, there's kind of three guys fighting for two spots behind Sam Darnold, or so you'd assume. Uh, you've got Trevor Simeon, Davis Webb, and Luke Falk all there. Uh, who knows? Maybe Davis Webb can impress and kind of overtake Simeon a bit there uh, for the number two spot. There were some times during uh, spring practices where he was practicing as the number two guy, but tough to tell if that's really indicative of things yet or not. There's a chance that, you know, the Jets might have just been getting him some reps or giving Simeon some reps off. Uh, so we'll have to see during training camp. That'll be a, a better tell of kind of where the pecking order is as these guys start training camp. But uh, Simeon, probably the odds-on favorite to be the backup quarterback behind Darnold, obviously, given what they paid him and picking him up this offseason. 
Uh, and that leaves Falk and Davis Webb kind of fighting it out for uh, the third spot, either on the roster, practice squad, kind of going to have to wait and see how the Jets go about things there. Uh, but So that is the, the first position battle we're looking out for here. The second one, and uh, probably the most impactful one, honestly, is the outside linebacker spot. Jordan Jenkins obviously seems like a lock on the one side of things, but uh, over on the other side of the formation, Brandon Copeland and Ja'Kai Polite uh, could be in a bit of a battle here. Copeland obviously was kind of the incumbent. He did a lot of work for the Jets last year when other guys went down with injury, and he kind of turned into more or less the, the starter in the workhorse opposite Jenkins. But Polite, a third-round pick, you know, you have to expect that he's at least going to make some sort of push or be given some chances to see what he can do and see if he can, you know, overtake Copeland and become a more prominent player on this defense. So that's the battle going on at outside linebacker. And then the third one that we highlighted here, uh, strangely enough, punter. Uh, Lock Edwards obviously has been uh, a solid punter for this team for the last few years. But Adam Gase, when he was uh, interim GM there for a little while, brought in Matt Dar, a guy who punted for him back in the day with the Dolphins in 2016. Uh, Dar played a little bit for the Bills last year, five games, I believe it was. So uh, a little competition for Lock Edwards, a little bit un- unexpected given his performance the last few years, but uh, Gase apparently wants to give him a push, maybe Grant Boyer as well. So uh, those are some things to look out for. And one more I'll add is kind of a bonus kick return, obviously up in the air. Uh, there's a bunch of guys there that could are, could be in the mix. You got Greg Dortch, uh, who's an undrafted free agent, Trenton Cannon perhaps in the mix, Quadri Henderson, a, a free agent that the Jets picked up so uh, a bunch of different guys there that could be in the mix and making a push to uh, be the Jets kick and punt return guy this season hey guys this is Greg Peterson host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Now let's talk a little bit about the roster long shots and the roster bubble players that we teased when we made the joke about Andy. And by the way, congratulations, Matt, on getting to the point now where, if you remember with tennis, it was Rafael Nadal was number two and Federer was number one. And everybody was wondering when Nadal was finally going to overtake him. And then after that, everybody was wondering when Djokovic was going to overtake both of them. Well, congratulations, Novak Djokovic. It appears that you have finally claimed your number one spot as far as being the top dog golfing on the New York Jets beat. When will a challenger who is suitable emerge? Only time will tell. But in the meantime, while we wait for that, let's talk about guys that are on the roster bubble here. You've got three of them in your preview at NJ.com. Yep. So uh, let's see some veterans on the bubble here. Uh, first one I've got listed is Jeremy Clark. Uh, the Jets obviously have some weird stuff going on at cornerback. You know, it's tough to completely fully trust their starters there between Truman Johnson, Brian Poole in the slot and Daryl Roberts opposite Johnson in the number two spot there. Uh, so the depth is going to be really important at cornerback for the Jets, but it just isn't quite clear at this point that Clark is going to be a guy that they can trust. He's a 2016 or 2017, excuse me, sixth round pick. Uh, and he spent 
basically all of the last two years on the practice squad, save for some call-up time in December when other guys were out injured. Uh, and the Jets have 12 cornerbacks at last count on the roster, so there are going to be cuts here. Uh, he was a McCagnan guy, obviously. Now Joe Douglas is in the mix. Douglas has already brought in two new cornerbacks since he was hired, so uh, you know, Clark isn't going to have all this built-up goodwill and allegiance from Joe Douglas, who's kind of trying to clean house a little bit, uh, make some cuts and trim some fat where he can, make sure that the depth is strong. So Clark's going to have to have a good camp, I would think, in order to make this roster. Uh, next up on the list, at running back, Eli McGuire, and kind of by uh, extension, Trenton Cannon. Those two, I would think, are kind of fighting for the fourth spot in the pecking order here. Obviously, the top three being Le'Veon Bell, uh, Ty Montgomery, and Bilal Powell. There's a reason they added Powell, uh, you know, in the middle of this offseason, and that would be seemingly because they don't trust some of the other guys that they had on this roster to provide solid depth. So, McGuire, you know, started out the offseason or at one point in the offseason, looked like he could be the number two guy behind Bell. Uh, then they added both Montgomery and Powell, and all of a sudden, McGuire finds himself kind of neck and neck with Cannon for uh, the fourth spot here. Uh, and Cannon might have a leg up in some regards, uh, even if he isn't the guy that the Jets go with at punt and kick returner, uh, which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make him the return guy simply because he has struggled catching punts in the past. But he was really good in special teams coverage last year. Uh, I know Brant Boyer has talked pretty uh, at length about how good Cannon was. He was the top tackler on the special teams unit last season as a rookie. Uh, Boyer really likes him in that regard. So uh, if that holds some weight, that could kind of tip the scales in Cannon's favor which could be trouble for Eli McGuire, depending on how many running backs the Jets decide to keep. And uh, last but not least on this list, at tight end, Eric Tomlinson. And uh, frankly, I made that pick even before the Jets decided to go out and sign Ryan Griffin and add another tight end to, you know, kind of paper over the cracks while Chris Herndon is out. Um, so that might even push Tomlinson a little further toward the bubble. Uh, but I had Tomlinson on the bubble simply because he is a, a pretty one-dimensional tight end. Uh, you know, he's a blocking specialist for all intents and purposes. Uh, and the Jets just went out and drafted Trayvon Wesco, you know, in the mid-rounds of this year's draft, who is a, a pretty blocking-heavy guy. He did a lot of blocking as a fullback tight end hybrid kind of player at West Virginia. And the Jets see him as having more upside in the passing game, being able to go out and catch the ball. So, uh, if they are forced to make some choices at tight end and uh, decide that they're only going to keep you know three guys instead of four or four instead of five now uh, that Griffin has been signed, I could very easily see Tomlinson being the guy that gets the ax just because of the fact that uh, Wesco has a lot of similar traits as him, but also brings a little bit more to the table, if that makes any sense. So uh, Eric Tomlinson going to have to really put together a good showing, I would think, in order to make sure he uh, locks up a spot on the roster again this year. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason.
Now, these guys are on the roster bubble, but that doesn't necessarily make them roster long shots because if you're on the bubble, that means you have a legitimate shot at the roster. You're in a fight for your life. If you're a roster long shot, it means the odds are very much stacked against you and you're probably not going to make it. So why don't you talk about the roster long shots that you listed at NJ.com? Yep. So uh, first and foremost on the list, we've got Valentine Holmes. And if that's not a name that's super familiar to some Jets fans, uh, I wouldn't blame you. He is a former pro rugby player from Australia who was assigned to the Jets as part of the NFL's International Pathway Program, which uh, not exactly a program that's super uh, high profile at, by any means. He's you know switching sports. Uh, so the odds of him making this roster would obviously seem pretty slim. He's a, he's listed as a running back slash wide receiver. Uh, he did take some somewhat significant rep, uh, reps during the spring and uh, had some decent time and looked all right during those periods. But uh, I would think the odds of him of making the roster are very slim at this point as he kind of transitions over, learns the game. He's a raw guy. Obviously, the, the league and the Jets must have liked his athleticism. Uh, there's got to be a reason that he was part of this program, but uh, obviously there's a stark difference between rugby and football. So, you know, it's going to be a learning curve here. And another reason he might not make the roster is because the Jets actually, as part of this program, are granted an extra practice squad spot to keep him in. So, uh, you know, teams normally have 10 practice squad spots. Valentine Holmes gets to be the 11th guy on the practice squad because of this NFL initiative. So, you know, there's no real push for the Jets to put him on the roster just to keep him around. They can put him on the practice squad and keep him, keep him around that way and also still have a full complement of other practice squad players. So tough to see him making the roster at this point. Uh, and then the second guy is Bless Austin, Rutgers guy, drafted in the sixth round uh, this past season. And uh, he is on the Jets' active non-football injury list. The Jets just put him on that list Monday. Um, and... You know, he's recovering from a second straight ACL tear uh, that he suffered in college. So uh, odds are he's going to start this season, you know, elsewhere, not on the 53 roster, just because he's going to be rehabbing back. Doesn't mean he can't have a bright future for the Jets. Doesn't mean he couldn't return at some point during the year. But, uh, you know, though it wouldn't be surprising if he did kind of just take this as a redshirt season and recover. Um, who knows? Maybe he provides some depth down the line, but. Uh, odds are that the Jets' six-round draft pick from this season is not going to make the 53-man roster anytime soon. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. And the final category that you wrote about in your article, previewing training camp at NJ.com, the keys to success for the 2019 Jets heading into training camp. You've got three of them. What are they? Yep, and uh, I don't think any of these are going to surprise people necessarily, but you know, they all are very important and uh, number one on the list. And this is you know, a very obvious and clear number one. Uh, we talked about it a bit when we talked about the Jets top 20 most important players. Uh, and it's Sam Darnold's progress. I mean, he's making the jump from his rookie season to his sophomore year. Uh, and the big thing for the Jets this season is just making sure that he makes a big leap forward. If, if Sam Darnold is the same player he was last year, Odds are this Jets team is not going to be in contention for the postseason down the stretch. They're going to need him to be better. They need Sam Darnold to make strides. They need him to start looking a lot more like a uh, you know a full-fledged NFL quarterback. And not to knock what he did last year, but 
you know, there were certainly times last season when Darnold, you know, despite showing promise, he, he didn't look like a 21 year old kid that was playing football in the NFL. Now he is still young. Absolutely. And, you know, there's still a lot of road and leeway for him down the road here. He's got a long, long time left in this league, but uh, if the Jets are going to be a team that makes a legitimate playoff push this year, they need Sam Darnold to be quite a bit better than he was last year where, you know, let's be honest, he was really impressive at times for a guy his age, but uh, as far as all 32 NFL starting quarterbacks were concerned, he was a below average kind of quarterback. If he can become a, you know, an average, slightly above average NFL quarterback this year, which is no small thing for someone that's 22, uh, if he can pull that off or, you know, who knows even more, then the Jets should be in pretty good shape, especially given some of the upgrades they made around him with Bell and Crowder, and you've got Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunma coming back and hopefully taking steps forward as well. So uh, if Darnold can at least do that, make some big strides this year and just uh, make things a bit easier and, you know, utilize all the weapons around him, that's going to be a big, big factor for the Jets this season. So that is absolutely number one on the list. Uh, number two behind that is the Jets' cornerback play. And, you know, that's the big question mark on the defensive side of the ball for them right now. I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about uh, some of the bubble guys, long shot stuff like that. Um, but Trumaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, and Brian Poole are the starting trio right now. And uh, tough to fully trust that trio at the moment, uh, given what Trumaine Johnson did last year. Obviously a pretty disappointing, underwhelming campaign for him. They need him to get back to being the uh, number one shutdown kind of guy that they thought they were getting when they signed him. Daryl Roberts getting a big promotion this year from the looks of it, at least, uh, you know, assuming the Jets don't add anyone between now and the start of the season. Uh, they need him to prove that he can be a, a legitimate starting quarterback and hold his own in that spot. Uh, and Brian Poole also, you know, he is a, a relatively young player, a, a few years in the, the league under his belt, uh, but a guy that is, you know, in his first season in New York, uh, he's got some adjusting to do. So that trio really has to step up, especially because Greg Williams' system defensively kind of puts some uh, some solid pressure on cornerbacks. Uh, he is going to bring pressure. He's going to blitz a bunch. And it relies on cornerbacks being able to, you know, keep on their guys, really play some solid defense, great coverage early on in plays, make sure the pressure can get home and do its thing. So uh, the pressure is on. Johnson, Roberts, and Poole to, you know, do their thing, make sure that they are locking down in the secondary uh, in order for this defense to function properly. And number three on the list, and uh, this will be no surprise to anyone, it's a key for any team in the league, really, but uh, health, more than anything, is going to be a big determining factor for this team. Uh, Adam Gase talked about it at length during the NFL League meetings in Arizona back in March. Uh, he believes that if this team is healthy and things go its way, they should be fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch in late November and December. But uh, he knows better than anyone. He's seen it happen to his teams in Miami the last few years. Uh, you know, if if the injury bug gets you, it can be a long, long year. And uh, that's true for some teams more than others, and I would put the Jets on that list just because the depth on this team is not where it needs to be. Uh, the starting lineups, you know, are solid. They can be pretty competitive. They, you know, they should be uh, at least you know 500-ish, if not playoff contenders, if the starters are in there all the time. But uh, if a couple key guys go down and you're starting to plug in some depth guys to fill over holes and they don't perform up to snuff, 
things can snowball pretty quickly on this team. So uh, making sure that they avoid injuries at a few key spots and, you know, get their starters in there and everyone's performing up to their, you know, peak level is going to be really important for the Jets this season if they have any chance to make it the playoffs. Matt, I have to push back on you a little bit on Sam Darnold. I know that you said that he was a below-average quarterback, and in totality, if you look at the numbers, that's true. But if you look at the film, he had enough bright spots, and certainly the last four games of the season, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So while it's technically true what you said, I think that there's a lot more reason to be optimistic based on what we saw the last couple games and just the flashes that we saw throughout the season. So I would imagine that most Jets fans believe that he can be better than, as you said, an average to slightly above average starting quarterback. But I guess it's baby steps. Yeah, and believe me, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. He definitely showed bright spots. And I think that, you know, at some point in his career, he is going to be a pretty darn good quarterback in this league. Don't get me wrong. I think he has the potential to do that. He was a 21-year-old kid as a rookie last year, and uh, he certainly had his struggles. And you're right, the last four games were markedly better, but now it's about making those four games the entire body of work. If he can do what he did in those last four games over the 16 games this season, then absolutely that's going to, you know, that's exactly what I'm talking about, honestly, is he needs to take those last four games and do that for 16 games now. And uh, that's no small thing for a guy that's still learning in this league, especially now that he's entering, you know, year number two but he's in offense number two so uh you would expect there to potentially be some more learning curve there you got to see how he picks those things up how he adjusts is there some kind of uh bumps in the road early on so uh again i fully expect that you know for the majority of his career he's going to be an above average quarterback if not an elite quarterback in this league but he's still at the beginning stages of this process he is going through, uh, you know, another big change with a new uh, head coach and offensive coordinator. And uh, so I do think that, you know, like you said, it, it's baby steps here or, you know, toddler steps a little bit bigger than baby steps if you want to give him that. But uh, he has to at least be, you know, in the like slightly above average range, I would think, for the Jets to have a chance in the playoffs this year. Not to say he can't do it. It's not easy. Obviously, you know, there's only a handful of guys in the world that are above average NFL quarterbacks. So it would be very impressive for him as a 22-year-old to do it. But, uh, you know, it can be done for sure. He has the talent to do it. Now it's just about executing and making it happen. Matt, last question before you run. As a reporter who's going to be covering this, you have to be neutral. And it's not like you have any favorites or you're cheering for anybody specifically. But what are you as a football fan looking forward to most about covering training camp this season? I'm really interested to see how Darnold learns this gate system for sure uh you know last year was all about the quarterback battle and we obviously don't have that this year so there's going to be some more kind of nuance to things this season i would think you know last year the storylines really hit you in the face in that regard um so it'll be interesting to see how darnold picks up the playbook it'll be really interesting to see how this offense adapts now that it has Le'Veon bell and what it kind of does to everyone else around him uh and i'm also just really curious to see how this defense interacts with Greg Williams. Uh, he is a fascinating figure to, to say the least. He's a, an interesting guy and uh, it'll be interesting to see how some of the key guys on that defense, uh, you know, adjust and fare under his direction. I think I could envision a scenario where Leonard Williams really uh, comes out of his shell under Greg Williams. I think Jamal Adams, at least on paper, seems like a guy that fits perfectly with Greg Williams. 
there's some guys on this defense that I could see this really working well for this change. But at the same time, at the same time, Greg Williams is uh, a little bit of a, a volatile guy, and you know some of his strategies and schemes are uh, kind of high risk, high reward. So you know we'll have to see how it goes. And uh, he has had his critics in the past as well. I know obviously once he left Cleveland, a few guys over there kind of voiced their displeasure with the way Greg Williams used to coach them. So uh, we'll have to see how it plays out in New York. But I would say those are kind of the top few things that I'm looking forward to most this training camp and just seeing how all the pieces fall into place. And you will begin to see that this week as everybody checks in and then the training camp practices begin. We are going to have daily coverage here at Play Like a Jet. And of course, there will be daily coverage over at NJ.com with Daryl Slater and the man who just joined me for this training camp preview, Mr. Matt Stablkowski. Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Looking forward to doing some more podcasts with you throughout training camp and then, of course, into the regular season. I know that you and Daryl have a bunch of stuff that's going to be in the queue, ready to go once training camp gets going. So why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what you're planning on doing as far as your coverage over at NJ.com. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be plenty. Uh, we'll have you know multiple stories every day with uh, observations and takeaways from practice. I'm sure we'll be doing plenty of updates on Darnold and how he looks, and uh, you know keeping close eyes on Quinn Williams, especially in these early days uh, if this contract holdout drags along. So uh, be sure to follow along on nj.com/jets, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's m underscore. Stipulkuski, that's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. So uh, go ahead and give us a, uh, or give me a follow over there and, you know, go ahead and follow along with our stories over at NJ.com slash Jets as well. Uh, plenty of stuff, you know, multiple stories a day, like I mentioned. So we're going to be churning out the content for the next five or so months, really. So uh, make sure you're paying close attention and reading if you don't mind. Go ahead and follow Matt and Daryl on Twitter. Matt gave you his Twitter handle, which I would repeat, but I can't remember how to spell his last name. No, I'm just kidding. It's at M underscore Stipulkowski, S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. And Daryl is at Daryl Slater. Make sure you read their work over at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.